Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're here in this place today. God, I pray that you would speak to us today, God. I pray that you would meet with us where we're at, Lord, that you would challenge us. Father God, that we would leave this place like we so often pray, God, that we wouldn't just come to church, hear some stuff in one ear, out the other, but that we would come to church today, Lord, that you would speak to each and every single one of us by your spirit, that we would go out of here not just informed, but that we would go out of here transformed, that our tomorrows would be lived differently from our todays, Lord. I pray for this Christmas season, Lord, this Advent season, that it would be all the more richer, Father God, for your word in our lives. In your name, amen. Amen, guys. So, yeah, today we're starting a mini-series. We're breaking in Acts. Shock, okay. You're like, we were nearly at the end, but we're not. We've got two more chapters to go in Acts. We'll pick that up in the new year. And um, we're going to go into a, a mini-series called Christmas Unwrapped. Love the pun, right? Christmas Unwrapped. So we're going to go into various different things to do with Christmas. And, you know, I love Christmas. It's really exciting. For some people, Christmas can be a challenging time. But, you know, I love Christmas. It's this, um, today is the first Sunday of Advent, the beginning of our kind of Christmas season. And we all come from different traditions, sometimes different church traditions where we've got a bunch of different stuff that we're used to doing. For some of us, we come from different family traditions where, okay, well, through this December time, we do these kind of things. And I don't know if you've noticed, but quite often through the process of time, maybe things that are traditions or traditional, they can maybe get put by the wayside or forgotten. They could lose what their, their emphasis, their power, the beauty in them. We can maybe go through the motions or maybe we don't. We just see them as this kind of old, irrelevant period of time. And so this Advent season for many... And there have been years just now trying to do it differently this year, where this is like it's been for many people inside the church as well, where actually our Advent looks a, a lot more like, oh, okay, we've got to get the Christmas stuff sorted. We've got to get the present list written. I need to make all my various party plans that those four Sundays of Advent leading up to Christmas Day is maybe more about decorating the house and preparing all the stuff and planning parties and these kind of things. And then we have the Christmas Day, the massive day, and it's kind of different traditions celebrate it at different times, but it's kind of this day of presents and food. And for some people, church, and then it's done. There's no ease out of it. But Advent, this time that we're in now, the heart of Advent, it's a period of time that is so much more. So it's so much more beautiful than often some people treat it as. It's just a period of time to prep for a big day, for a party. And also, it's so much more indifferent, or it's not more than, but it's different to Christmas Day. It's a unique period of time. And so my hope is that maybe today my goal of today is that you would catch something that God would speak something to you about the spirit of advent and let it impact your next four weeks as we run into Christmas maybe you'll choose to put new traditions in place Jess and I are doing that in our family maybe you'll choose just to be more conscious in certain areas in your prayer life and prayer time when I was a kid when I was a child 
I just, I loved Christmas. Christmas was just this amazing time. And I loved it as well because I was so fortunate as a child. I had an amazing family that really did Christmas. You know, and maybe people here today know what I mean, that I was so fortunate. It was, I would, I don't know any better, but it was like that storybook kind of Christmas where there was, the house was decorated, the lights on the trees outside. There was so much food in the house, so many different things going on. There was Christmas cards and the decorations everywhere. The, the tree in the house was beautiful and done up with baubles and stuff like that. It was amazing. It's a great blessing I have. I thank kind of my parents for that. Then there was Father Christmas. It's got to be quiet, right? For me, this is one of the hardest things to speak about in church. So I never know where everyone's at. But Father Christmas came to my house. He would come to my house every single year. I had letters from him. Great deception. There was food laid out the night before. Carrots for the reindeers, mince pies, and a glass of sherry for Father Christmas. And in the morning, there was a letter back from Father Christmas. There was mince pies at half eaten. The, the carrots somehow, I don't know if they found a field and... The reindeer ate the carrot. There's half the carrot there. But the glass of sherry was always completely finished. And I, I always remember as a child being quite concerned at the quantity of alcohol that Father Christmas must actually consume on Christmas night as he flew around the world. But everything always seemed to work out. And then there were the presents. Now, I had... I mean, nowadays it's a bit sickening in a way, but I had this really large family, so many people in the family, you know, that the Christmas tree looked like it was floating on a bed of presents. Because even if everyone only had like a few presents, there was just so many, so many people in, in the family that were there. And so usually, imagine as a child, I was usually foaming from the mouth by the time it came to Christmas Eve. I remember just being like so excited tripping basically I was just these presents it was just so incredible that I just stared at them you guys if you've got young kids you know what they're like with presents right that they just it's, it's amazing so my parents only had what one of two options it was either give me a little present a little foretaster on Christmas Eve or handcuff me to a radiator <laughs> but fortunately on Christmas the radiators were on so those nights before Christmas they were fine that's a joke. No, parents never handcuffed me to a radiator. And I just sat there, you know, those nights, not handcuffed to a radiator, staring and like salivating, fixated on this thing that would be the best thing, the most amazing thing. I had so much anticipation, so much excitement of this great, all-fulfilling joy that I was going to unwrap in the morning, that I was going to unwrap on Christmas Day. At the heart of Advent is this anticipation of a divine present. At the heart of Advent is God Almighty breaking into our situation, into our lives, that there's something coming of such worth and joy, a present of great value, incredible value, that it causes our hearts to burn, that it causes us to be fixated on it and anticipate it with such amazing and incredible joy. You see, Advent is a time 
these four weeks running up to Christmas Day is a time when we expect and remember that God can break in on us with new surprises and touch us in new ways with his renewing and restoring spirit. It's this beautiful time when we remind ourselves to call on God for a new breakthrough, to call on God for a new breaking in, a fresh outpouring of him, a fresh outpouring of his spirit in our lives. Advent is a time to live in expectation that God will break through. It's a moment in our year when we can slow down and really calls us back to an area of our lives, to align all areas of our lives, to fix on Jesus, the coming King, the King that came, the King that is coming every day in our lives and will come again. The Old Testament Bible story, we've looked at this actually through Acts, the whole thing actually is a story of Advent. God, right from the fall of mankind, right the way through, is putting this expectation of a seed from God who would one day come and save the world. Do you remember Adam and Eve? And right at the beginning, when, at the fall of man, when everything goes wrong, God says a seed will come that will crush the head of Satan. And all through the various books throughout the Old Testament, we see this same theme that there is a Messiah coming. And Isaiah, Isaiah calling people back in his context, back into relationship with God to turn from their ways. He, within the prophecies there, there's a prophecy of Christ. There's this Advent prophecy. Isaiah is written 700 years before the birth of Christ. It puts this anticipation and expectation in the people of God. And Isaiah writes this in Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord will give you a sign. The virgin, remember Mary's not going to be born for 700 years. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. This is one of the great prophecies of the coming of Jesus. One of the great prophecies of Jesus' birth that Unless he was God, you know, he had no control over. If people say, ah, he just read the prophecies and fulfilled them. Well, this is a good one to go to and say, well, he couldn't have done that because, whoops, I should have been born by a virgin. No. Two chapters later, he goes on to prophesy Jesus is coming. And he says these amazing words. Though you guys may recognize them. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. Remember, Jesus is a descendant of David. And over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on, and forevermore. Amazing. Describes Jesus, right? 700 years before he was born. Imagine the hope, the expectation that produces in an oppressed people, a people with no hope. And we see this story of salvation of a coming savior throughout the Old Testament. Remember the Old Testament to encourage you in your Bible reading, the Old Testament is all about Jesus. Jesus said it about himself in John 5, 39. Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. He's speaking like the scribes and the Pharisees, those guys. He says, these are the very scriptures that testify 
about me. The Old Testament, the whole Bible, it's a story about Jesus. It's that advent of the coming Christ. It's this build-up to him. That's all Paul spoke from, right? He didn't have, he hadn't written the New Testament or big swathes of it at that point. That's all he preached from. That, the verse we just read, is a great Bible reference. Why, if anyone ever says to you, you know, I just think Jesus is a good moral teacher. He's a nice guy. He's a good moral teacher. The truth is, he just wasn't. You know, signpost people to that text. He gets up and he says to these guys, your ancient text, the things written from over a thousand years before in a different country by different people, people who spoke other languages, that was all about me. You see, if it wasn't true, if Jesus isn't the Son of God, if Jesus isn't God Almighty, then Jesus is completely nuts. And I find it hard to believe that Nearly half the world's population followed a complete nutter. The Old Testament, guys, it's this beautiful story of Jesus. The Bible, this one big story of God Almighty saving mankind and bringing us back into relationship with him. And Advent is a beautiful thing because it stands. It's this moment where we stop and we stand in expectation of what God is about to do. Think of the excitement that's there. Think of the excitement of Christ before he was really revealed. So he's been born, but before he's really revealed, a great picture, a character picture of Advent in the Bible is the great Frenchman John Baptiste. No, John the Baptist. Okay, John the Baptist. He is this archetypal picture of Advent. See, remember his ministry. Remember what John's ministry was, is make ready the way of the Lord. That before Jesus steps out and he comes public and starts his ministry, John is there and he's calling people, repent, turn from your sin, come back to true worship in the living God, come back and be baptized. And what John is saying in that time and that setting is radical because he's not calling people back to works-based religion. He's not calling back to people to the thing that's on offer. He's calling people to come to God for breakthrough, to expect this coming one. His goal, his sole goal in his ministry, in John the Baptist's ministry, is reminding people of this coming Messiah and to point people to Jesus. He's this picture of Advent. And he stirs people to anticipate this coming Messiah. Imagine John's disciples. Imagine the expectation that they must have had following this guy who said, actually, there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to touch. They had been with John maybe for years, listening and waiting in this season of Advent. And then one day, they stood there, aren't they, beside the Jordan. And John says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's him. It's the one that we've been waiting for. It's the Messiah. They've been preparing for that very moment. They've been, time's been taken actively and in prayer and thought and meditation, dwelling on this coming Messiah. They've been preparing their hearts. They've been watching and waiting, looking for what God is going to do. And we know from that moment onwards, Jesus starts his ministry and he goes off into the desert after he's been baptized. And when he comes back, the world is transformed. I want to encourage you guys in this. Advent is not a time of anticipation and preparation and expectation in something that God might do, in something that might happen. No, it is a time of living, expecting, rejoicing, anticipating something that is 100% sure 
because God said it will happen. Because God said it will happen. If God's spoken something into your life, it will happen. Today it may not have come. You know, Jesus may not have been born, but it will happen. If God speaks, it will happen. So Advent is a season to slow down and remember the things God has spoken over our lives, sometimes which take months to come about, sometimes which take years to come about, a season to remember that God faithfully fulfills his word, that we go back to what we were saying last week and actually find our ultimate satisfaction in him and not hunger and thirst for the thing that we're hoping for, not a calling, a purpose, a person. Within the heart of Advent, we also have the challenge of Mary. We are confronted with that, the challenge of Mary, because we're confronted with the question, will we say yes to God? Will we let the ministry of Christ be birthed through us? No, if Mary hadn't said yes, and Mary turned around and said, no way, like that. And Jesus wouldn't have been born through Mary. God is a respecter of persons. You'll see in a minute what the words she says. Mary is this 13 to 17-year-old girl. <laughs> like, she's young. She's not in her 20s. She's not in her 30s. She's a young girl, 13 to 17 years old. And God asks her to do something so hard. Be the mother of Jesus. This is a hard, hard thing. The immaculate conception. God, in Advent calls Mary on a path that is both impossible without God and is actually desperately, when you follow that path, is desperately hard to just pursue and live in. See, the social stigma and the ruin surrounding Mary is massive. You know, the whispers. Imagine the people who knew her, the whispers and the gossiping. It's so bad that we read in the gospel story, the nativity story, that Joseph... They leave this out in the Christian books, don't they? The, the children's books, not the Christian books, the children's books, that Joseph is considering divorcing her quietly, leaving her, going away. This is real. It's raw. God has to send an angel to go and speak to Joseph and say, don't do that. All's going to be okay. It's, it, it's incredible. You know, there's certain things. It's so good to go back to the Bible in because sometimes they miss out some of these crucial details because it's not too great for four-year-olds to kind of get their head around the, the nativity story but it is real and it's raw can we like mary say as she does say let your will be done that's the heart of advent and the challenge for us today let your will be done that in advent as we anticipate what god's going to do in that place we say lord let your will be done question for you today would you like to get involved in what God is doing in what God's doing or wants to do in your town in your city in your workplaces it's not always but often getting involved with what God's doing can be challenging but always it requires us coming to this place where we say let your will be done but the beautiful thing is we're all called to that place. God wants to work 
with all of us in multiple different ways, varied ways. God wants to do something in your workplace. He wants to do something in our community and in our towns. He wants to do something in the lives through you, in the lives of people that you're around. And he invites us in these various ways to partner with him in what he is doing. Remember last week we said that phrase, God accomplishes divine purposes through human instruments. That's you. That's each and every one of you. I just want to say as an aside that God isn't calling you to discover some like individualistic, self-fulfilling purpose. This individualistic thing that God reveals to you and then you've got to go and make it happen. And you're like, God, I'll check in with you once I've got it done. Or God, this is where I'm going. God, you make this thing happen for me. Often in our individualistic kind of culture, there's this thing of like calling and vision. And, you know, calling is when a prepared person at a prepared time is willing to say to the Lord, your will be done, Lord, and join him in what he is doing in the world. That's the amazing thing is us joining with what he is doing. What a privilege to work with and work for the living God. There's nothing more wonderful than following a path where it's just like, God, what are you doing here? I want to join with you in this. And he'll call you to, and it may be tough, but it's the best, most amazing path. And say, Lord, let your will be done. And watch him come through time after time. You know, when we came out here to plant the church, there's been different seasons, different challenges from kind of when we first came out here and certain challenges then to when we kind of went full time and all these different different things. You guys have been on the journey with us. And sometimes it's like that makes no sense financially. It's completely nuts. But it has to be, Lord, your will be done. Sometimes we come under criticism sometimes from certain angles where it's just like, you're a father. What happens if? What happens if you do that and if there is no money? What happens if you have to sleep on the street? You've got children. What happens if you lose your visa? But you know what? What I've discovered is as we say to the Lord, let your will be done, as we say that to him and we trust him, as we say yes to him and yes to him and yes to him, whatever he calls, wherever he calls, he makes the way straight. And so Advent is this beautiful time as we run up to Christmas where, like Mary, we assess our hearts to say, can we say, Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done, Lord, that Christ may be glorified through us into the world, that we may be your hands and feet and see your ministry, Lord, flow into our towns, into our cities, into our nations. And so this Advent, I want to encourage you guys, take some time to stop, to slow down, to think on that, to meditate on that. Lord, are you asking me to get on board with something that you are doing in this city? Are you calling me to something? And it could be embarrassing, inconvenient. It could be something that is financially ridiculous. But I just want to encourage you to take that time, take that quiet time before him to decide to say, Lord, let your will be done. And in that, remember and anticipate the breakthrough for what that thing is. You know, sometimes God's got to carry us. I've often said, like, sometimes God's got to hold us into that next season. 
And I've had times of this where it's just like, ah, I've got to jump. It's, he- it's hard to go into this next place that God wants me to go to. And I can't jump across the gap. But actually, it's like I need to jump and God catches me and moves me on to the next place. But actually, he can't catch me until I jump. So Christmas is coming, guys. The promised gift, the breakthrough is coming. And God's got something awesome for you. Anticipating the kingdom. Anticipating the kingdom. What on earth does that mean? Well, as well as our lives here and now. Okay, because we're doing Advent here and now. Advent 2018, the stuff we're looking at for our lives, but also Advent is a time for us not just to remember the past that Christ came, not just to remember stuff for us now, but that He also will come again. It's a period of the year to remember that He's coming again and live in the hope and the joy and the expectation of that moment. Advent's this time of expecting and at what anticipating the second coming and the beauty of this total fulfillment in eternity with Christ. So, see, whilst at Christmas we do remember, don't we? We remember Christ coming, coming to earth, born as a baby, coming to die eventually for the sins of mankind. We also remember the yet-to-be-fulfilled second coming that is prophesied, that Christ first came to be judged for the world and then he will come again to judge the world that all darkness would be swallowed up in the light of the kingdom and so in turn advent raises this question for us or or this encouragement for us it becomes a season that we would meditate on the risen christ not just the baby born but the risen christ the man and god seated right now today on a throne in heaven that we anticipate his second coming and the fulfillment of all things but we would also take time to expect and remind ourselves of the hope in the now kingdom the now eternity of god being lived out in the earth through his people by his spirit Tim Keller's got a great quote with regard to this. I'll just read it to you. It says, God's kingdom is present in its beginnings, but still future in its fullness. That at the end, when Christ returns, there will be an even fuller expression of his kingdom. This guards us from an under-realized eschatology, expecting no change now, and an over-realized eschatology, expecting all change now. In this stage, we embrace the reality that while we're not yet what we will be, we also are no longer what we used to be. Great quote. That we've changed, we've transformed. That the kingdom can come to the earth through us. So what has this really got to do with Advent and Christmas? Well, how does that apply to my life or your lives? You know, well, in Advent is this time for us to reflect, to expect and anticipate and remember God's kingdom is coming and has come. Are you expectant for this Advent? Are you expectant for and anticipating something like healing, something of the kingdom? Are you expectant for the kingdom life to be manifest in your life? See, remember Jesus says, pray, your kingdom come. Jesus doesn't ask us to pray for things which are impossible for him to fulfill. The the goal of the Lord's prayer, one of the core things is your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
So Jesus asks us to pray things which he fully expects to happen. And so this Advent, guys, I want to encourage you, anyone who feels hopeless in an area, if there's a particular area of your life you feel you don't have hope in or you're really struggling in, take that thing and put it into the heart of the kingdom and ask, what does that look like in the kingdom? I'll take an obvious example like sickness. You know, in the kingdom, there is healing. Sometimes things to do with poor self-image, that you believe in what the world says about you. You believe in what the enemy says about you, your self-worth. Well, in the kingdom, the king says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that you were born for such a time as this, that I treasured you unto death, that I could make you my treasure, that I could bring you into my family and could call you a child of God. See, whatever it is, whatever the thing is, guys, take time this Advent to remember the risen Christ in his kingdom today, seated on a throne. The kingdom that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in him, have been brought into and anticipate the breakthrough, anticipate what that actually means for your life. Also, if it's you or maybe you know somebody in a place where they, this actually may be their last Christmas on earth, right? Could be for all of us, right? But I don't know if I'm going to see another Christmas. There's, we've been praying, praying, and for some reason, I'm, this, this situation is still going on. I'm not going to see another Christmas. Well, you know, Advent is a beautiful time within that to anticipate the joy of, a, of eternity, of a, anticipate a joy of eternity lived with Jesus. We've spoke a few, maybe a month ago, about, you know, to do with death don't don't mourn like the unbelievers mourn who have no hope but as sad as it is and as right as it is to mourn the beauty that we have and i use that kind of this phrase of that actually you and maybe somebody that you've lost that in a a thousand years time in eternity you'll look back at this moment of separation and it will seem like a distant memory that there is a great hope of eternity and it's a time to encourage people in that and expect that advent so advent is a time of longing for christ it's this time of longing for redemption the words of that famous song right oh come Oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. It's this cry of people who know that they need a savior. They know that they need a savior. So Advent is this moment, this lead up, where it's just like the savior hasn't come, but oh God, we need a savior. Come, Emmanuel, ransom us. It's this moment in our lives where we can be honest with ourselves. Is there something that we need to turn from maybe thank god that he's redeemed us from it if you're not in christ today is there something you need redeemed from is there something that you need to turn from it's a reminder as well of our desperate need for a savior that despite how great we are you know however much society or the culture we live in says you are a good person you will go to heaven don't worry you know however much society says that in a kind of works-based thing the human condition cries out for a savior. How easy, right? How easy is it that we can take our salvation lightly? 
You know, last week we spoke about dwelling in darkness, didn't we? We spoke about moving from darkness to light. How easy it can be for us to forget the place that we've come from. And so Advent's a time not to dwell in, but actually we can take a moment to remember our redemption. Let that gratitude overflow where we put ourselves in that place of longing for a savior. But praise God, we know that we have a savior. That, oh come, oh come, oh come Emmanuel and ransom me. And at the same time, the gratitude that we know that we have been ransomed. You know, oh, that Christ, Jesus Christ, the morning star, would shine all the brighter in our lives and from our lives because we have reminded ourselves where we have come from, that that gratitude would bloom afresh in our lives, that we see the extent of our redemption. We see the great joy that we received on that first Christmas. It's this, let Advent be this longing for Christ and reminding ourselves of just how much we long for him and, and embrace him, where we see our need for him. You know, when we see that need for him, it puts everything else into context. And it changes everything. It's not just a Christmas story and it's just like Jesus in a stable with a donkey and a couple of lobsters, if you've seen love actually, you know, that it's not just that. There's something deep, buried within. That's why I wanted to unwrap this stuff as well. It's this mind-blowing, crying with joy, thanks moment that the God of the universe saw fit to send Jesus, his son, into the world. You know, Christianity is the only faith on earth where God comes to find us. All other faiths are about how you get back to God, how you do stuff to get back to him. Christianity is about how desperately God wanted you, that he went 100% of the way. The only thing that he won't step on is your choice, is your free will. He doesn't want to make you into robots. That he goes the whole way and he demonstrates how much he loves you by dying for you so that you and him could dwell in relationship together, so that you could be declared blameless before the Father. That relationship of father and son is broken for that time. We, we know it's broken for that time then, even on the cross where the father turns his back on the son so that you could be made a son and brought back into relationship with him. What outstanding joy it is for us who have no savior, no way out. There's, we just cannot see a hope that the rescue is right there. That is not based on our merit or how good we've done or our deeds, but it's totally based on him. It's the story of the sailor who capsizes like Tony Bullimore, capsizes in the southern seas. And there is no hope apart from just to sit and wait for rescue. And the knock comes. It's the Chilean miners who are trapped for weeks underground with so much earth above them. No way out. No way to dig themselves out. Nothing to do but just pray and hope. And then the light, as that first rescue probe comes down and comes through. Imagine, you know, it's hard to imagine or contain that scream of jubilation, that anticipation realized, where it's just like, we will live that someone has come to rescue you. 
You know, that is the level of anticipation of Christmas Day. That's the level of anticipation for us to feel in Advent. So this Advent, I want to invite you guys, make your Christmas shopping list, but especially my Christmas presents, guys, I'll send you a list. No, make your lists, do your stuff, check it twice. But, you know, fall back in love with Jesus. Fall back in love with your first love, Jesus Christ, because it's Advent that we remember and we recall this longing for more and more and more of him. We remember that great honor and privilege that we have, that God himself wrote himself into our story. You may not have thought about this, but if you think about it, we will only understand God to the extent he decides to reveal himself to us. That's massive. That's huge. See, that's why Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, because God writes himself into the story of humanity in his Son. That God Almighty reveals himself to mankind through Jesus Christ, the invisible God we discover through Jesus, the image of the invisible God. And I want to encourage you that it's not like, oh, we'll do that this Advent. There is always more of him to discover. There's always a deeper place, a further place to discover. And C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle, he writes those famous words that I probably said before, further up and further in, further up and further in. There is always a deeper place in him to discover, to live in. So if you don't believe today, if you're sat there and you're a believer and you love Jesus, but you don't believe that your relationship with God is this utmost exciting, never getting boring kind of relationship, then I just want to challenge you guys that you believe in something less than you've actually been invited into. There is something far more for you. Let Advent be a time of longing for him, of discovering more of him, which is bigger and brighter every single year. So guys, let your heart be set alight. And as those flames of passion rage in your heart, fix your eyes on him. And the last thing that I just want to go into is Advent. This time when so many people come back to church, right? Advent is a time for us to reflect on Christ in our lives. It's this time when we can reflect on the question, are we truly living in him as individuals? Is that something that we're doing? Are we living in him as individuals and as a church? Or is there something that we need to change? Is there something we need to challenge? Have we allowed the light of the dawn of Christ to permeate us? and fill every single aspect of our lives, every single area of our lives? Is there something, some area that we still don't allow him access to, that we've shut the door to, said, Jesus, we love you, come into our lives, not this room, you know? Not this room, stay out of there, okay? I've got the key. Is there something that you need to let him into? Or do we, whether we're the shepherds, or we're, whether we're the kings, whoever we may be, come before him and bow the knee before King Jesus? So what's the point of the advent of Christ in us? It is this time to reflect, to meditate, to expect, to anticipate us becoming him to the world. 
Year in and year out, we have these four weeks, don't we? Four weeks called Advent. Four Sundays, right? Sometimes start in November. But four, these four, four Sundays called Advent to slow down and remember that we have been called to be light in the world because he has given us that light. I'm just going to read some verses to you guys. John 1 takes you through the story. It says about Jesus, John writes, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is very applicable to last week's message about moving from darkness to light, us moving in to light. Isaiah prophesies about the coming light of Christ and its impact on Zion. Zion, the people of God, the church. And he writes this and he says, Arise, shine. Speaking to the people of God, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of sums it all up and speaking to the life of somebody who dwells in him, he, he says this famous verse, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 14 says, and 15 says, you are the light of the world, doesn't he? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world because the glory of the Lord has risen upon you, not because you're awesome, but because he is awesome. And so this Advent, guys, take time, please, to meditate on and to consider this rising, this advent of Christ on us. That rising, that dawning of Christ afresh in our lives, in us and flowing out of us. As he was born at Christmas and the light shone out into the darkness, same way his light lives afresh every Christmas as he, Jesus Christ, seated on a throne in heaven, shines through us, his people, shines out into the world. So take time this Advent to think on that, to meditate on that. Are you expectant to shine the light of heaven into your world? You, each and every single one of you, are the light of the world. Anticipate being it all the more as Christ shines in you, and shines through you. We're just going to pray. And um, I want to challenge you guys a bit today. Are you here today and something I've said has spoken to you? You want to live this Advent differently. Do you want to do that? Something stirred in you where you're like, I'm going to do something differently. I'm going to set time aside every morning just to meditate and spend time with God. I'm going to take time every day to see that flow of Advent, the flow of God's story through the Bible, the flow of the Christmas story itself. If that's you, whatever it is, I just 
between you and God, just make that commitment to him today. Just pray to him today. Say that, say that thing. If that's you, just say that thing. Lord, I, I decide I'm just going to be, I'm going to be doing this today. Are you here today and maybe you need a miracle? When I spoke about the kingdom here and now, the advent of God breaking in on us, is, do you, are you here today and you need some kind of kingdom life today, something from that today? If that's you, let's pray afterwards. If that is you, let's come and see me. Let's pray afterwards. Put your hands, up, put your hands open and let's pray and tell me. Big challenge is the Lord calling you to something, to do something where, like Mary, he's calling you to say, let your will be done, Lord. Let your will be done. And as I say that, I think there are some people here who it's twinging, you know, that ah uh, kind of thing. Usually that means that's God. You know. If that's you here today, I'm actually just going to pray for you guys right now. I'm just going to pray for you. Lord, I pray that if there are people here today who you're calling on this new path or a fresh path or a deeper place in an existing path, God, I pray courage on their hearts today. Lord, I pray that this Advent, God, would, in the face of Mary, Father, just get so encouraged about saying, your will be done, Lord, your will be done, and stepping out on that that path on that journey with questions sure with challenges sure maybe with concerns and fears for how people will see them and speak to them but lord i just pray right now holy spirit that you would come in this place that you would come in this place fill this place just now come holy spirit and minister to our hearts lord let not my words but holy spirit your words your words to each heart transform this place god and Lord, I just pray for us, Lord, I pray for each of us here today, Lord, that this Advent, that you would just hold us in that, God, that we would have the richest Advent we've ever had, the most beautiful full Advent in your presence that we've ever had. In your mighty name, amen.